therapy isn't scary. Therapy isn't mm. hard. Finding the right the right therapist can be, but it's not hard. You just got to do it. You just got to do it. Once you close that door with your therapist, it stays there. Hey there, my name is Sean, and this is Suicide Noted. On this podcast, I talk with suicide attempt survivors so that we can hear their stories. Every year around the world, millions of people try to take their own lives, and we almost never talk about it. And when we do talk about it, many of us, including me, are not very good at it. So one of my goals with this podcast is to have more conversations and hopefully better conversations with attempt survivors. I am going to keep trying. Now, If you are a suicide attempt survivor and you'd like to share your story, I'd love to talk. Please reach out. Hello at SuicideNoted.com or on Facebook, Twitter, at Suicide Noted. We are talking about suicide, so this may not be a good fit for everyone. Please take that into account before you listen. But I do hope you listen because there is so much to learn. Special thanks to all of our attempt survivors who have shared their stories on this podcast thus far, and all of our listeners around the world who have tuned in since July when we launched. If you'd like to help us out, well, let people know about the podcast. You can rate or review it if you listen on Apple. That really does help. And we also have a growing Patreon community. So if you'd like to help us out with a financial contribution, I'll put that information in the show notes. We'd love the help. Today, I am talking with Thomas. Thomas lives up in Pennsylvania, just on the Pennsylvania-New York border, and he is a suicide attempt survivor. Hey, Thomas. Thanks so much for being here. I appreciate it. appreciate you finding me and then wanting to do this and joining, man. I do. Well, I appreciate you doing the podcast, man. We trying, right? It's a great listen, by the way. Oh, thanks, man. I'm working on it. I'm figuring out how to make it a little bit easier on the ears, but uh, thank you. Right. Uh, I am curious, you you heard the podcast and something and you decided to reach out. So what, what what's going on there? What, what what compelled you to reach out? Well, I, I work in the peer support business. Mm-hmm. So I'm very used to sharing my story and sharing my struggles. Yep. Uh, and when it comes to suicide attempts, my story is a little different than most people's. Well, because... In some cases, it's it's an extreme attempt. Okay. It's a medication. It's uh, a tool. It's a bridge. It's right. a gun. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I didn't choose that route. Mm-hmm. What I used was nature. So I'm a, a bit of a, a bit of a science geek. Mm-hmm. I have a a little bit of medical training background. When my depression got to a point where I couldn't do it any longer, I let go. I knew I had an infection and I knew what kind of infection I had and I was going to let it go. So just to be clear, Mm -hmm. you had a medical condition and something happened, an infection. Most Uh people would seek medical help and there would be some way to fix it. Correct. Whatever that looked like. Right. In your case, you're like, nah. This thing will kill me. I'm not going to seek that help because I want it to kill me. Correct. Question. Please. I don't know what the infection is. You want to share more by all means. It mm-hmm. sounds like a more painful way to de- to die than some other ways or longer slash more painful suffering. Longer for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, painful with me. Pain is kind of a, a weird thing. Apparently, I don't register pain like most people. Is that right? That's what I'm finding. Physical or other? Physically. So if I were to punch you in the face, and I'm not, you could. Probably, Tom's a big dude. You can't see him. It's a podcast. He would he would beat the crap out of me. I'm sure. But what I'm saying is, if someone punches you in the face, it doesn't hurt like it might other people. Well, I mean, it would still hurt, but right. the way I process pain apparently is much different than most people. Okay. And I didn't realize that till the last couple of years. When was this going down, the infection, and then the decision not to treat it? 
2018. Okay. So after, after the infection, after is when I discovered that that's why it didn't hurt as much as it should have. Uh huh. It's a learning experience. Yeah, for sure. Now I am sure of one thing and that is big surprise here. It didn't work. No. Okay. No. And there's a reason it didn't work. And you know, I'm going to ask you what that is. What, what happened? So I have a big, big bucket of pride in in my heart. Mm -hmm. And when the infection took hold, Mm -hmm. I knew it took hold. And I kind of, you know, like those old Looney Tune cartoons, I held it, I let it grow, I knew it was there, in a way I kind of loved it. Mm -hmm. Once it finally took hold, Mm -hmm. my body reacted by not letting me sleep Mm -hmm. and not letting me eat. That will kill you also. I wasn't going to starve to death. So you ate. No, I didn't have a choice. By that point, my body would not take in food. Okay. And that's when I went to the hospital. Uh, To treat the infection so you could eat food. Correct. So you didn't die of starvation. Correct. Because you have pride in something with your pride. Yeah. Yeah. Because that that wasn't going to happen. If the infection took me in my sleep. Right. Right. How many people in your life knew about this thing? Before I, I ended up in the hospital? Yeah, but yeah, we'll do it before and after. Before? Nobody. Yeah. So you were doing this, essentially killing yourself slowly alone. Correct. It was after going to the hospital, I kind of when it hit me that subconsciously I'd been building a support system, a very large support system. Mm-hmm. And though it was a little rusty, all it needed was polish. Mm. So people came through for you. Yeah. One of the things that comes up on this podcast is, you know, look, you tried to end your life. It didn't work. You're still here. Let's not kid ourselves. It doesn't mean everything's rosy, right? You're still going back to life, the same life yep. as it might have been very difficult. So I, I have more questions around the sort of what led up to it and the other. Yeah, no. but, but when you're in the hospital and all right, you get fixed up and you can eat mm-hmm. food. Mm-hmm. What happens, man? I'll, I'll never forget the second day in the hospital, the first day, they're just trying to figure out what specifically was wrong with me. Yeah. We knew I had a, a kidney infection and we knew it was a pretty bad one because of all the, the signs and symptoms and everything that was happening. But the, the doctor on the second or third day came in, he sat down on the edge of the bed and he said, the infection is so bad that it's a miracle you could even walk in here. And we're going to try the strongest antibiotics we have. And we don't know if they're going to work. And if they didn't work, what would have happened? I don't know. I didn't ask that question. It sounds like in part you would have been physically affected. I mean, you can't walk is something, right? It's a Correct. Because sometimes when you get these things, for lack of a better word, wrong, people won't like (laughs) you for that particular choice of words. You know, you got to deal with the aftermath. So I remember talking to her and, you know, she had tried to end her life with a gun, yeah. and, you know, she's alive. And now she's, you know, partially paralyzed. I talked to a young lady this month. She's up in Canada. She jumped. She lived. She's a quadriplegic. And now she has to deal with that. You know, so I always think like, huh, right, right. aftermath. So your aftermath, obviously different story, but mm-hmm. your infection, I'm looking at you right now. People can't see you like I can see you. You seem pretty healthy. I don't know what, you know, you're talking clearly. Are you in decent shape? It's been what two, three years. I'm not in a great in great shape right now, but it has nothing to do with my attempt. Can we go back before 2018? I don't know where I would want to start this as to sort of like <laughs> what led up to it, because you could argue, however you frame mm-hmm. it, any number of things. But what happens pre 2018 that led you to the point to like maybe not want to be here? Well, that's a bit of a story. So, yeah. so feel free to cut this down if okay. you need to. Sure. But when you look at my life, mm-hmm. I was put up for adoption at birth. For the first 39 years of my life, I didn't know where I came from, who I was. But my parents, my adopted parents, had always told me that I was adopted. They never okay. hid it from me. 
and any information they had they shared with me. Add to that that mystery. Growing up here in where I grew up, it's not very friendly to gay men. Mm-hmm. That part of New York State. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. It's very much as I tell people, don't ask, don't tell. Like the military used to be. You can do whatever you want. You can be whoever you want. But at the end of the day, you don't share. Got it. For years, I'm fighting that battle. Yeah. Fighting who am I questions. And here I am also dealing with depression the whole time. Right. And when you have major depressive disorder. Yeah. It kind of comes and goes. And when it comes, it's there. It hits you like a freight train. It was kind of a long road to get me to that point. And I had lots of lots of speed bumps along the way. Did you have any other sort of however you want to define attempts? Yeah. One one other one. Yeah. When I was uh, 21, I was working at, well, basically volunteering my time because they didn't pay you, but working at a at a local place that was helping kids not be home, so to speak. It was a dance club in the weekends. It was a pool hall during the week. And it was someplace that the kids could go to and be safe. And so I was working there seven days a week, 12, 14, 16 hours a day. And I was walking to and from home, which was about a three-mile walk. On that trip every day was a bridge. And one of those evenings, middle of winter, Mm. no moon in the sky, I stopped to look over that bridge and said time to go so i scooched up over that bridge and looked down and like i said midnight no no moon in the sky scary shit tell a couple of stories up let me ask you this sure how do you see your reflection the moon or lights no no moon no street lights so i could see my reflection so are you suggesting that's a spiritual i do yeah, so that was a sign. Don't jump. To me, that was a sign that there's something, something more. Hmm. Makes sense. So I kind of pulled myself off the bridge. I got myself together and cried the rest of the walk home. If you hadn't seen the reflection, do you think you would have jumped? Probably. Do you think it would have been fatal? If not fatal, you it would be one of those situations you'd want it to be fatal. Right. You know, it's a couple story fall onto stone because it's a crick underneath you right and you're also talking water middle of winter yeah bad bad combination bad combination that's why i chose why at that time i chose in that location because i figured if the fall doesn't kill me the water will yeah it sounds like from what you were saying and and look man i know depression is just a beast it sounded uh, um, impulsive a little bit or had you been thinking about that at that time, I'd been kind of thinking about it for a long time. You had? I had. Yeah, mo- mo- really, since I was about 12 or 13, I had been thinking about killing myself. All right. Wow. Okay. That's Walking down point. the middle of the street, crossing without looking over, main, you know, when you cross the main street, things of that nature. I wanted to die. I wanted something else to take my life. On that day, from what you shared, like nothing major happen someone didn't break up with you you didn't get fired you didn't get into a fight you left work like you normally leave work yep so i always ask and it's sometimes a difficult maybe an unanswerable question Mm -hmm. like any idea what was different about that or those moments because you had passed over that bridge how many times hundreds yeah hundreds hundreds of times i think what was different about that day was me okay I knew I needed a change. Either I needed to start coming up with income or I needed to leave what I was doing or leave this world. Mm-hmm. And at that point it was, yeah, I, I need a change. And then, but you saw your reflection, you get back up and then yep. we go from whenever that was when you were 21 to 2018. Correct. And all the Correct. while, Tell me if I'm wrong. I don't, I'm not trying to play a game, but no, your mouth no. anything like that. you're dealing with depression. Mm-hmm. You're dealing with, and I may, my words won't be perfect here. Being a gay man in a place that doesn't embrace gay men. Correct. 
and I'm imagining some other stuff in there as well. Yeah, and like I said earlier, I have this big bucket of pride that I carry around with me. Yeah. And that's really what led to me trying to kill myself in 2018. Or I guess you could really say, let myself die. I had lost my lost a, a really good job earlier that year, and I wasn't having any luck finding anything. Mm. And I knew my unemployment was getting close to running out, and I wanted it out. Yeah. I wanted it out. This is all happening. Did you grow up in the same area where you are now? I did, yeah. That part of New York? I did, what, yeah. Do you think that the what happened with your infection was also something assigned from above or somewhere else, like the reflection? You know, I never thought of that, but maybe. I know with the infection, I ended up spending seven days in the hospital. And in those seven days, I met some amazing people. Because when I went to the emergency room, I was honest. Mm -hmm. I know I have this infection and I wanted it to kill me. They they knew about you and what you were really doing. Yeah, I I was honest. In a way, that's kind of why I'm doing what I do now Mm -hmm. is because of honesty of being treated with respect because I was honest. I'm glad they did it that way. Cause I don't think everybody place does it that way. I'm, I'm really glad to hear that. Yeah. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't shipped right off to a, you know, a behavioral science unit. I was in the regular hospital for seven days, but I wasn't alone. Mm-hmm. Somebody was, was there the whole time because I was on, on suicide watch. You know, basically I'll never forget two of the people that, came and sat with me one of which is still a very close friend today but one we'll just we'll just call him a for right Hmm. for right now just out of privacy and politeness to him that's a cool name a is good yeah so a was from egypt and i'm i'm a huge nerd so i i'm like okay tell me about your culture tell me what the news media doesn't tell us about egypt One of the things that he taught me in the couple of days that he sat with me is in his culture, and this is something that I use every day today, it's something I truly took from it, was in his culture, there is no good time and bad time. It's seven good, seven bad. So for every seven good days you have, you will have guaranteed seven bad. Part of it. It's just how it is. So no matter if you've got a bad day or a good day, the opposite will come. It's powerful. Yeah. It's a powerful message. Hopeful. It is. When you think of it it that way, sure, I might not be having a good day today or yesterday, or I might not have a good day tomorrow, but I will in the future. Mm -hmm. I can look forward to those. So when you got out from the hospital Mm -hmm. and you had said there's a second person, right? I don't want to forget about that. We'll call them Correct. B. We'll call them B. All right. We'll call them B. <laughs> A was from Egypt and talked yep. to you and shared with you the seven good, seven bad. Right. And what did B do for you? So B, I'm still very good friends with today. In mm-hmm. fact, he's kind of become one of my best friends. He looked at me and said, no matter what the hell is, has, you know, has, has ripped your life this, this far apart, I've been there. I've done it. I've lived it. I live it every day and I'm still here. After after a time, he started sharing his story with me mm-hmm. and his struggles. And it's that sh- him sharing his struggles with me and me being able to understand where he's coming from because he's a local guy too. Yeah, it just, it was a guaranteed friendship. When he found out that I was moved from the hospital to the, the behavioral science unit, it really kind of hurt him because he wasn't able to say a proper goodbye. But since he's, since then he's looked me up and we've become very close friends and he's a blessing. Mm. Both of them sound like they, they were really important. Obviously you wouldn't have brought them up. Right. Behavioral science sounds almost like you were a lab rat. (laughs) It does sound that way. Is that like a mental health facility of some kind to stabilize you? Yes. Yeah. How long were you there for after those seven days when you got the infection treated? About a day, day and a half. Is that it? That's it. And part of that was because I'd spent seven days processing. 
Yeah. You know, the, the folks that sat with me, most of them were kind of poking me, prodding me the whole time to kind of work through where I'm, where I am in my head. Yeah. And so the going to the, the BSU, as we'll call it that first night, I really couldn't sleep. Mm -hmm. I, I had spent a week in a hospital, you know, mm -hmm. the next day when I finally got to speak to a psychiatrist, he ran through a bunch of his little questionnaire tests. Sure. Yeah. And I told him that this isn't how I felt a week ago. This is how I feel now. And so he and I had a, a, a very long talk about where I was mentally, mm. where I was even recently in general where i was yeah with his help he got permission to send me home with with the understanding that i would go to not just go and get myself a therapist but go to a month of very rigorous group therapy dbt or cbt yeah, yeah. and it kind of led me to where i am now so i was going to ask you that did before 2018 this big incident mm -hmm. You were been diagnosed with depression. Was that a self-diagnosis or a formal diagnosis? A mixture of self-diagnosis and looking back with therapists since and psychiatrists. So you were getting some help from therapists during that. Well, I don't know if they were helping you. You were seeing therapists sometimes. So after my attempt in 2018. Oh, wow. So you were really just trying to gut it out, tough it out for a long, yeah. long time. No meds? Right. No med. Well, since I have tried meds and they don't work for me, uh -huh. I kind of get stuck and not stuck in a, in a good mood or stuck in a neutral mood, stuck in what I consider a dangerous mood. Right. Meaning if my mood is stuck up, I can't process anything bad when it happens. Uh, and yeah. to me, that scares me. Mm -hmm. Now, you, you asked, did I have a diagnosis beforehand? kind of a self-diagnosis. I have a background in medical coding and reimbursement. Mm -hmm. So I'm very well read on, on anything that interest, interests me medically. Mm -hmm. I can kind of read into it and break it apart logically because I'm a scientific kind of guy. So I very much knew I had some mental health issues. My biggest fear, though, was that I was bipolar. I'm not. You're not. I am not. And all that time, 12, 13 years old, mm -hmm. at least that's when you said you started to think about dying. Yeah. yeah. All the way through 2018, mm -hmm. did you, how did you, did you drink? Did you drug? Did you do something to just deal with all the stuff? Did you do any sort of self-harm? How did you deal with that? Funny story that I can't get drunk. I, I mean, I, I had that problem. I, I really I, wish I, Tom I had that problem. I mean, I can. But the moment I get to that point where I'm drunk, I instantly become suicidal. Wow. And that's a hell of a level of awareness you have there, though. It is. You know, so you don't drink. Not to excess. I might have a, a whiskey now and then, but that's it. Good taste, man. Whiskey, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so and no drugs. No. no. I'm not judging because I've used a lot of drugs mainly to cope. Uh, I'm me, shit, and I'm like, I want to feel better. Why do people do drugs? One reason, I want to feel better. That's what I did. My drug was coke. Mm -hmm. Expensive drug, by the way. Uh, yeah. If you're gonna choose a drug, I mean. But for you, I'm just saying, I'm just sort of amazed by the fact that it sounds like mostly you've just been trying to deal on your own, doing whatever. Well, as you said earlier, I am a big guy. I hate to say it, I'm a comfort eater. Need some food. Yeah. What, do you, what are you eating when you're in like a really comfort mode? Nothing good. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Bad stuff. Tasty uh, stuff. Pies. Yeah. Gallon of ice cream. I, it's not, I guess it's marginally relevant. I can only see a little bit of you and it's not particularly important, yeah. but are you in a, a is, your, is your weight a, a health issue, a health concern? Huge health concern. Yeah. Like diabetes or other. Oh yeah. yeah. Is that another kind of. I'm going to die and not do anything about it type of thing, just from like the other infection example? For a lot of years it was, yeah. Fuck it, I'm going to die, I'll, whatever. Yep. Today it's it's not that. It's not. 
no, no, today is a challenge. How can I beat this? How can I lose weight? How can I, how can I do this the easy way? Is there an easy way? <laughs> there is. Yeah. I mean, tell me, I don't have a weight issue, but tell me what it is. For me, it's uh, one meal a day. It's eat what I want. Yeah. Eat as much as I want, but once a day. Intermittent type thing? Once a day. Yeah. Wow, you must eat a lot that one time. Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. And you don't snack at all? No. All right, so today, for example, did you already eat your meal? I did. And so I you're did. not eating again? That's like the opposite of a comfort. It's like the most uncomfortable comfort eating I've ever heard of. But I can eat whatever I want. When I sit down to, to a meal, it's it's what I want. Cool. And I drink a lot of tea. That helps too. Does it? It does. Is that what you're drinking right now? It's a green tea with mint. Have you, you said that nobody knew in 2018 until after. Correct. You Are you single? I am. Um, the reason I ask. Mm-hmm. is because people that are involved, I don't know if you have, well, maybe maybe we could talk about this. If nobody knew, I'm going to assume that you're not, either you're not close with your family or there's just certain things you don't talk about. Like I, people have all kinds of different dynamics in their family. Um, yeah. You mentioned about the adoption and then it didn't come up mm-hmm. again. So I'm wondering if there's something else there about that's kind of related to this. In a way, yeah. I mean, I'm raised as an only child. Mm-hmm. I've always been a little independent. So I've always been kind of alone. Mm-hmm. A lot of it's by choice, though. I'm sure. Yeah. In 2018 and after, not just then, mm-hmm. you were solo. So there's nobody right. there to be like, uh, Tom, dude, let's take a walk. Correct. Let's go go to the fucking mountains or something. No. No, nobody here. Nobody here. Um, right. I mean, that, what, and it matters because if there's somebody's a long way away, it's not right. as easy to get to you. Uh, in fact, one of my one of my closest friends uh, who grew up here is currently living in California with his wife and, and kids, and he was one of the first people that realized something was up in 2018. How did he know? He lived it. He's got family that have attempted suicide, succeeded in suicide mental health issues run throughout his family. So he was seeing it. And when I didn't show up online ah. for two or three days, mm. he's calling people back here going, where is he? I see. Where is he? Right. So when you went and so, and I'm, I'm pressing, not pressing, I'm asking more because no. it's such a unique thing that you share, right? It is. So when you say that, hey, I, I'm going to let this infection take me. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you, I, it sounds like you don't know if that's a day, a week, a month, like you just don't know. So, but at the same time, you're checking out, you're not showing up on social media, you're isolating that. That's all part of it. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. As far as time frame goes, I knew that I, that I had an infection and I knew it was probably a kidney infection in late August of 2018. Kidneys kidneys and i didn't end up in the hospital until december painful yeah i would imagine i mean uncomfortable you know as i said earlier pain and i don't have the same have have a regular relationship yeah in fact the doctors were were very wait you're not in pain right yeah i knew it for a while i was waiting for it and you got out in 2019 what the early part of 2019 no, no, I, I was I was out in 2018. 18. Yeah. Yeah, I was only in the hospital for eight days. All right. Yep, you did t- say that. So what yeah. was it like all of 2019? And then, of course, this last year, which is a especially bizarre <laughs> set of circumstances. In I mean, you're obviously still here. So we know mm-hmm. that you didn't try again. Well, I don't think you tried again. Or you would have brought that up. I have not tried again, but it's still something I deal with every day. Ideation. Absolutely. Absolutely. Do you, or are you able to, or do you want to ever bring that up? Cause you're talking about honesty. Are you able to bring that up in your work as a peer support counselor? Or what is the word? Uh, we, we use the, the term just peer support specialist. Specialist. 
do you get that real with them or is it just uh, i sure do yeah i sure do it's it's part of uh it's kind of what i call part of my opening package when i go in to, to meet with somebody for the first time we're most of the time in their home and mm-hmm. i sit down and i kind of share little bits and pieces of my backstory about where i am right now where i have been over time i have i've had some couple of my people for close to two years now sometimes we get into those very heavy conversations of yeah i've wanted to kill myself and i understand where you're coming from or yeah i deal with depression every day and here's what i do to cope because we we walk in the door to try to help people cope and deal with by example amen man do you like your job love it absolutely love it you think you're good at it well i found out today i'm at least one of the better employees in the in the company is it a private company uh we're uh we're not not for profit you could argue you could mm-hmm. posit that were were there a uh higher power on the bridge or in the hospital i mean this could be one reason why this kind of work as one of my coworkers would say trust and believe it is mm, yeah like we don't need proof necessarily but it's a good belief it makes sense and yeah it sounds like the stuff you've gone through it's just got to make you better at this job however you define better it's not only better makes me better at the job it's also a requirement you cannot get the certification without a history what kind of history how how uh, how you have to have a, a documented history of mental illness oh shit so everybody in this field has some history yeah whether it's a little bit of anxiety a little bit of depression or something more extreme in fact the the individual who trained me, yeah, kind of one of my personal heroes and a good friend, mm-hmm. lives every day with with paranoid schizophrenia. Different beast, right there, man. And if you didn't know that's what his diagnosis was, you'd never know. Yeah, he's treating it. Absolutely, absolutely. In fact, he's one of the reasons I reached out to you. Really? Because he had said to me last year when he and I were talking about this Saturday, the other thing that he still remembers my my story from from the training class because my story was so different than most people's yeah it is rather unique tom so question you said that you did yeah. some medical coding and you've been a lot a lot of life experience lived experience medical mm-hmm. coding peer support specialist i don't know how often asked this question do you think if somebody tries to end their life whether it's your way or any other ways, they are by definition mentally ill. That is a very solid question. Thanks, man. I, I just wonder about it. Like, is it, um, or, or can you just be somebody who does not have a mental illness? And I'm putting that in quotes because it can mean a lot of whatever, DSMV or otherwise, okay? And they're like, fuck it, I'm out. And it's sometimes arguably a logical decision, whatever, their choice is their choice. Or does that make you mentally ill? I'll shut up now because I'm blabbing. <laughs> I, I've heard you use the term, not just when with talking to me, but in your other podcasts, the term ideation. Yeah. I don't like that term. One, because it kind of I kind of trip over it with my tongue. Okay. <laughs> just but literally, also, physically. Okay. Yeah. But also because I feel that you can have the thought of suicide. You can have it every single day, yeah. but until you put that intention of this is how I'm going to do it, and this is when I'm going to do it, and this is why I'm going to do it, that intention, when you add that intention, then it becomes mental illness Yeah, because you're focusing on it. But if you just are driving down the road and you go, enough of this, screw this noise jump off a bridge so let me let me push back all right yeah i'm some dude my family was recently killed in a car crash uh the bank is foreclosing on my house 
I lost my job. I'm going to just, you can imagine all the things I could add in that, right? Oh yeah. I see absolutely no future disease runs in my family. So I'm probably going to get yada, yada, yada. It makes sense for me. I don't want to suffer. I don't want to be in pain. I decide to do that. I'm mentally ill. Because you're putting that much thought into it. Yes. All right. So it's tricky though, where you draw the line to that much thought, but we, we, we don't know. It's semantics to some degree. It so is. You're saying, yeah, no, but I appreciate and, and respect your opinion. So it is if you are focusing on it like that. Correct. Mm-hmm. On the other side of things, all that's going on in your life, you know, you just lost your job, you're driving down the road and, oh, look, here's a bridge with a, that's, that I can jump off of. If you don't put any thought in it, that's, I think, where, what's the term I'm looking for? The impulsive? Uh, no, the stereotype. That's the great, the massive minority, I believe, of suicides are that kind. Correct. I mean, they're just, just not that common. And I would, I, 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 these are a question that I, there's no answer to it. There's only conversations or anecdotes or whatever. Even if you're going down the road and you jump off a bridge jump, it's not coming out of nowhere usually. No. That seed was planted uh-huh. somewhere. I, I, I can't mm-hmm. say for sure. Don't think most people think that way. I'm just going to jump. Fuck it. I don't think so either. And I, I think that's, that's where the word intention comes in. Mm-hmm. If you, in, if you're putting that much intention, that much thought, then there's something else going on. If you're not dealing with a diagnosable anxiety or depression, you're at the very least missing a coping skill. Yeah. That I would definitely agree with. Now, it's been over two years since you got out. Correct. And and person number A mm-hmm. said, seven good, seven bad. Mm-hmm. So can we go back? And there have sure. been some 700 and something days, if maybe 800 days, if my math, math is correct. Your math teacher, something right. like that. Was he right? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. There's definitely a, a balance of good days and bad. What about today? What was today? Today was a me day. What does that mean? What that means is I only had to work for an hour. Sweet. And it was just a meeting with my with my boss. Mm-hmm. And the rest of the day was about me and self-care. Okay. Now, some people who like their jobs would want to work mm-hmm. because they don't want... You know what I'm saying, right? I do. I like my job. I'm better. Let me just work. I don't want me time, but you're okay with that. Well, I've been there. Yeah. I've been there. And unfortunately, uh, or fortunately, depending on how you look at it, I have discovered that though medication doesn't necessarily always work for me, I very much need a therapist. Mm -hmm. I need therapy. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of things to work through you know i'm in my early 40s there's a lot to work for a lot of work to work through it's been an amazing journey just sitting down with my therapist for these last couple of years and just talking about things same therapist the whole time uh no i'm actually on my second uh the first who i miss often she she moved on and bettered herself she she moved on to a job she wanted. Okay. And so she chose her replacement for me. Ah. Uh-huh. So I felt I was in good hands. Uh-huh. So really for the last year and a half, I've been with the same person. And part of that's been Zoom. You, mm-hmm. I mean, you were able to see your therapist in person this whole time? <laughs> Funny story that. Uh-huh. 2020 wasn't a year that I, that almost existed for me. I, I was hurt at work, and so I was off of work, off of life, recovering. At home? So, yeah. You were recovering from a work accident at home? Uh-huh. For a lot of this past year? A good chunk of it. Wow. That was hard. That must be hard. When I went into the hospital, it was February. I wasn't able to go out on my own until June 
Wow. When we talk about suicide or mental illness, this is a very big sort of broad question. Hospitals, treatment, mm-hmm. you name it. Do you have any myths that you want to dispel or call bullshit on? One of the big ones for me is therapy. Therapy isn't scary. Therapy isn't mm. hard. Finding the right the right therapist can be, but it's not hard. You just got to do it. You just got to do it. Once you close that door with your therapist, it stays there. Do you think a lot of people are not open to therapy or scared of therapy or something? They don't get it. Around here, mm-hmm. therapy even today is very much, oh, you got problems. You go see a therapist every week. Uh, any idea why that is? I mean, I, I, what is that about? It's not just your area, by the way. It's a lot of areas. It is a lot of areas. It comes down to education. Yeah. It really does come down to education. When you grow up and you only see a certain a certain thought around you, you know, your parents only say a certain thing. Sure. It doesn't matter if it's true or not. Right. That's what you're going to learn to do. Yeah. And around here, education of mental illness doesn't exist but isn't that almost like a crime it should be like if you had a culture that was not feeding certain people and in some ways we do have that culture uh you would be it would be criminalized you would be a criminal or you would at least i mean you just you couldn't do it you can't do it and we do it we sure do you don't i mean i don't i don't think no you absolutely don't and um, you don't either, man. I mean, you no. Now you said you're in your early 40s. You're getting therapy. Mm-hmm. You've, you've you've survived two not so typical attempts or near attempts. Uh, you have food that you can eat. There are lights on in your home. I can see one above you. Yep. Uh, yeah, I could continue with this narrative, but you know where I'm going. <laughs> yeah. All that no. said, you have the ability to laugh. You just did it. Uh, do you think that you might try again? Yes. Mm. yes. All that stuff I just said, Tom. I know. I'm I know. not trying to convince you it's... otherwise, but all that stuff. And yet you say yes. Yes. Okay. I, I knew you were going to ask me this. And I, so you I didn't think about it. <laughs> yeah. No, on, honestly, yes. Uh, with the way my brain processes things. Yeah. Because of the the major de- depressive disorder, there are days that I just kind of slump. There are weeks that I just go into a slump, a rut. Thankfully, now that I have a therapist that checks in on me every week, uh-huh. as well as I have a community of friends, a, a, a circle yeah. that knows the warning signs, it doesn't get as that bad. You don't spiral. Or don't spiral too too badly. I I yeah I have coping skills. I have right. I have people to reach out to to go. Hey, I need help. Or hey, let's do something. Distract me. I've had what fifty plus of these conversations. I don't have any definite absolute takeaways that apply from you know. But I think one of the things I've figured out, and this probably won't come as any surprise not to you or anyone who's listening, mm-hmm. probably the difference from people is what you just said. The people who make it and don't, they have people in their lives in some form, in some way that are there for them, that check up on them, that, and if they don't, you're, you're, mm-hmm. I'm hesitant to say, if you don't have people in your life, you're not going to make it. I don't think that's the case, but it it's hard as fuck. Yes. And you are at risk and it is amplified a lot when you are trying to ride this thing out solo. It doesn't work. Not only does it not work, it's also a lot harder. For me, if I'm having a a bad day, a bad week, I can call my, my best friend and go, hey, what's your schedule look like this weekend? Or, hey, I just need to talk. And he's not gonna come out here just to you know, sit with me and, and hold my hand or, or coddle me because that's not what he's there for. Mm-hmm. He's there to, to give me that look in the eye or to say to me, dude, 
what's wrong, get it off your chest. He's there to pull on me like a, like a claw hammer pulling a nail until I pop. It's his lane, man. Once I pop, then it comes out like Niagara. Yeah. It flows. Yeah. Yeah. At the same time, I'm there for him because he's also had his struggle. You didn't leave a note, did you? On that, uh, there was no. Did you leave a note in 2018? Did you say goodbye to anybody? I've never left a note. I mean, and that could also be like an email these days, right? Something on Facebook or another social media platform, hinting to people, hey. Or by 2018, I built an online community of gamers. There was a few of them that knew I was struggling, but I don't know how much they knew until afterwards. I didn't completely hide what was going on. They knew they knew there was days that I just didn't feel well, physically didn't feel well. There were days that they knew my back hurt, mm-hmm. you know, one of the huge warning signs of kidney infection. Oh, is that right? Oh yeah. There there were days that we had planned a big gaming event and I would be there for 10, 15 minutes and I'd log out. Signs. Yeah. Hmm. For the for anyone who's listening, I do send our, my guests a set of questions. I don't always ask all of them, but they typically come up in conversation. I'm kind of asking you as Tom, but also you as Tom, not just survivor, but also peer support specialist and mm-hmm. whatever else. Is there a question that you want me to ask you that I haven't asked you? Uh, not that I can think of, but mm-hmm. a question that I always ask my peers, yeah. you know, the people that I work with. Yeah. Especially if they start talking to me about thoughts of suicide or thoughts of of self harm, is why? Why are you doing it? Is it because you need a release? Yeah. Are you thinking of it because you don't want to be here any longer? Are you thinking about it because it's just too hard to move forward? I love that question. You know, people get upset with me when I ask it, right? Mm-hmm. Can't ask why. And I think to myself, do whatever the fuck I want. Exactly. I mean, I don't know if that's responsible, but I can ask Tom why he did what Mm -hmm. he did. And maybe he'll know and maybe he won't. And we can talk about it. If I'm the, if I'm in your role and in the way that you are as a peer support specialist, I mean, did we answer that in part though, the why behind your um, attempts or near attempts, or is there more there? I think I did. Yeah, I think I did. You know, if you get emails and people wanting to ask more, then we can figure that out. But I don't get uh, that many emails, man. But uh, <laughs> anytime a anybody time a guest wants to is open to continuing the conversation, particularly with listeners, and they give them a way to reach out. I, I sure I encourage that if they're if they're open to that because I think it's it can be very powerful. I really appreciate you being so open. I I knew you would be. Uh, I figured you would be. So I do a. Thank you for that. Well, I I very much appreciate you having me on. And it's my pleasure. You know, it means a lot to me. Ditto. And I'd like to believe that people hear it and it helps in some way. Who knows how? Who knows who needs to hear you or whatever other guest? You just don't know. And occasionally, you know what? Occasionally people will reach out and say something or via review and they're like, cool. But there's probably others who they don't reach out. but. Wherever they are, you know, the power of a fucking podcast on this little phone, right? They're listening. It's like you just, and I know I found you uh, on a night that I needed help. Is that right? Yeah. I was having a a down day. And I'm like, huh, what's out there to talk about mental health? Boom. There you are. Do you remember if you put in mental health or suicide specifically? Suicide specifically. Yeah. Yeah. I'm always looking for good mental health talks because. A, I do it for a living. Yeah. And and B, it's it's more important today than it ever has been. Ever has been. You would think we were getting better at it. And maybe we are. Maybe it's just a really long, windy, big road. But sometimes it feels like we're going backwards. Maybe I'm in my own little world and it's a very narrow, myopic view of things. I don't know. You're in the field. What do you think? Yeah. Uh, I, I would probably say it's about to change in a big way because of because of the pandemic in a good way. 
You just have to get there. We as a society, we, we already have the next generation telephone. It's called the internet. And we're already having our Reagan event. We, we also just had a, a Sputnik event. It's coming. I just can't tell you when. Just keep doing what we're doing, man. It's cliche, but it's true, right? Like, yeah, just keep doing what you're doing. But like, hey, one of the reasons I do this is for me. It's selfish. Or as I often say, no matter where you go, there you are. Yeah. I haven't really learned that lesson yet. I mean, I know it. I'm just like, I still don't really follow that. I'm just like, I'll just do that and go over there. It'll be better. Everything's going to be better than there. There's no then in there. I want to get all Buddhist on you. I get all zen. It's like, but I understand why people do that. I get it. Go for it. And hey, if it works, great. I never really know how to end these other than just saying, keep doing what you're doing, stay strong. And I'm fucking glad you didn't die. And because you're doing good shit for yourself and others. So uh, I'm glad for that. I'm trying. I'm trying. You too, Bob. All right, man. Talk soon. Shoot me an email. And um, thanks again. Will do. All right. Have a good night, man. Later. Bye, Tom. As always, thanks so much for listening and your support. And special thanks to Thomas up in Pennsylvania. If you are a suicide attempt survivor and you'd like to share your story, I'd love to talk. Please reach out. Hello at SuicideNoted.com or on Facebook, Twitter, at Suicide Noted. And remember, if you'd like to join our Patreon community, I'll include that information in the show notes. We'd love the support. And we could use it. That's all for episode number 51. Stay strong. Do the very best you can. I'll talk to you soon.